you've stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. It's been a long time coming, y'all, but the Sleeping Giant podcast is once again up and running, and I'm moving full speed ahead into 2022, kick-ass, take-no-prisoners, hell-bent on having fun and growing this bizarre enterprise I started some five years ago. I'm going to go over a few things with y'all before we get into the meat of the show, wherein I'll be joined by Mr. Steve Marcotte to talk about Ghostbusters, and I'll kind of maybe let you in on where I've been, what I've been doing, where dead bodies are buried, etc., and uh, maybe what I've got going on, or, you know, what I plan to have going on, what will be going on with all these shenanigans. It's been a hell of a year! In the meantime, y'all go ahead and get comfy. We are about to begin. All right, everybody, how the hell are you? As I stated in the intro, it has been a long time. I think the last episode that I put out was in May of 2021. And let me tell you right now, it wasn't at all because I don't love you. The exact opposite is true. What had happened was I actually found myself uh, laid off from my day job, which I don't want to say that was a long time coming. Nobody wants to get laid off. Uh, But, you know, of course, I was planning on taking a step back from that, removing myself from the day job situation, and uh, gently breaking myself into uh, working for myself and being my own boss. Uh, So I I don't want to get into the particulars of what happened, because to be completely honest with you, I really, um, I don't know. My boss uh, at my previous pest control company, Uh, or pest management company, I should say, was very vague about the details, although uh, reading between the lines, one could easily surmise that he is a pro-Trump Republican fuckhead and didn't really take too much to my radical liberal views uh, via his uh, longtime buddy-slash-salesman that um, apparently got real aggravated with me because I I told him that... uh, Trump didn't rule the country as a monarch might, and I don't know, he just didn't like that. So, uh, you know, hey, maybe that wasn't it at all, but let me just say uh, from an objective standpoint that upon retrospect, uh, things were going very well for me uh, up until about that point. Um, so yeah, I had no idea. I had long suspected he was a moron fucking idiot, but now I know for sure. Anyway... Uh, moving on, I'm no longer with that company and am probably not going to be doing pest control for another company uh, anytime soon. Uh, I would imagine that if I find myself involved in pest management again, it will be for myself um, because I thoroughly enjoy the job. It takes a degree of critical thinking. It takes a degree of... Uh, of lateral thinking sometimes. You really kind of have to think outside the box when you're dealing with some pests, uh, rodents specifically, uh, subterranean termites, to an extent dry wood termites. I mean, it's actually really fun. It's really involved. There's a base level of knowledge that one requires to do the job, and it's not for anybody. 
uh, I would imagine that, you know, after about six months, if you're still doing pest control, it's because there's, well, I mean, there's probably something wrong with you. Um, I don't doubt that there's many, many things wrong uh, with yours truly, but it's uh, it's not a job for everyone. It, it's, it gets down and dirty and sometimes pretty yucky with literal blood and guts uh, being the forefront of your workspace. Um, and it gets pretty crazy, but you know what? It, it was a tremendously satisfying job. Uh, and that I truly enjoyed the work. Um, they gave me the heebie-jeebies sometimes, and after a while, the smell of rotting flesh uh, does, it, it can get to you, but overall, it was tremendously satisfying, and uh, as I said, I, um, I I just don't think I could do it again uh, for another person, um, at least not in that capacity. So it's kind of unfortunate that things wound up the way that they did, but I'm better off because uh, I decided that uh, we're going to do things. We're going to do things very differently. We're going to do things very differently in that uh, I've decided to change careers. I've been in pest control for the last ten years, uh, and but I've also been uh, a you know an avid uh, advocate, as it were, of of health and fitness and and trying to get my body into a decent working shape. Um, you know, because I like living. I like uh, I like all the stuff that comes with being alive, and, and I'd like to do it for as long as possible and have the most fun possible. And and I think one of the things that you can do on a baseline is is to keep your your body together. So, you know, um, I started running when I was uh, probably in my early to mid twenties, and and subsequently got into uh, a small degree of weight training after that, and I've just sort of increased that experience. And, and my involvement with that um, more and more as the years have gone on. So I decided that I was going to get my personal training certification from the National Association of Sports Medicine, which I did. And uh, it, it was a challenge, but it was it was doable. Um, a lot of the you know information and stuff that I'm you know passionate about and, and respond to very well. So uh, it was a, a positive experience and I'm looking to make that my day job as it were um got a couple of interviews on the table already and i'm i'm really excited about that uh, in addition to that of course i'm running my business the sleeping giant trading cards and toys which is uh again really fun it's something i've been doing for a while and and now in a professional capacity um i find that i'm doing more and more business so i'm hoping to put those two things together and uh and ultimately uh work for myself because that that's kind of the dream. I mean, I'm not a stranger at all to hard work and, and God knows I've been working really hard to get all this off the ground and to make it work. And, you know, right now it's incredibly thankless because there's no steady paycheck, uh, rolling in for these things. So, you know, it's almost, you know, it's a, it's an act of faith a lot of times, but I am, I am putting in the work and I'm putting in the hours and, and I think it's going to pay off. Um, you may have noticed that the social media avenues that I normally communicate through have changed a little bit. Um, you will find that it's no longer the Sleeping Giant podcast. So you are going to want to look for me at SG Cards and Toys via Instagram, facebook.com forward slash SG Cards and Toys. That was my original handle. Some of you may remember that. And, and then, of course, it you know, I, the podcast became 
the forefront of what I was doing, so I changed uh, my handle appropriately. But now the podcast is is going to be the vehicle for the Sleeping Giant trading cards and toys. And uh, it's not that it's taking a back seat. Um, it's just going to be an extension of the business. And um, I think that we stand to have a whole lot of fun um, doing things this way and and uh, with some of the stuff that I got planned. So, um, so yeah, uh, bosses, you know, they're just, <laughs> they're not fun. I got a lot that I could tell you, uh, a lot of stories that I may tell you uh, in future episodes, maybe the first quarter of 2022. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're amusing, they are. And uh, like I said, I didn't want to be too disparaging of my previous employer. Uh, I guess because there's always the possibility that future employers will be listening. But, you know, I... I aim to be far more true to myself and what I want to do this year. Um, and I, I don't really plan on, on holding back or pulling any punches. I don't think that's, I don't think that's ever really been me. And I think that's one of the things that really started gumming me up last year is, uh, trying to, um, put on too much of a show for various individuals. And, and, uh, you know, I was trying to wear too many hats and too many masks and and um, just sort of deny who I am, what I'm about, what I believe, uh, the things that I think are are valid and true, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so on and so forth. So uh, I'd be willing to bet, though, those of you that are still listening to this show are probably well aware of that, and that's not something that's going to scare you off or or bother you. Because believe you me, some of the shit that's come out of my mouth over the last four years, if you're still here, I don't think you're going anywhere at this point. So. Thank you, by the way, uh, for sticking around. But yeah, so I got some stories, uh, some fun boss stories that just kind of uh, really shape or or, or they, they paint the picture, I think. Um, everybody knows that when you're working for somebody, uh, you may not always see eye to eye with the person you're working for. You may disagree with some of their instructions, but at the end of the day, they are the ones that, that sign the paycheck. So you kind of have to, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, that whole deal uh at, at times but then then there are times when it's just an exercise in futility to try to make any sense um of what they want from you or what their expectations are and uh and then hilarity ensues so hopefully i'll be able to share some of that with you uh in the next several episodes and hopefully you'll find it as amusing as i do now not so funny at the time of course but uh you know, that's how it goes. Um, okay, so personal training. Um, that's probably not going to bleed over into this show too heavily, I wouldn't imagine. Um, I, of course, I would love to uh, mix and match and inject all of, all of these different avenues of, uh, of my life and what I'm doing and into the show, since I think it's going to be a little bit more of an extension of uh, my life, as it were. Uh, but then, of course, you know, a vehicle for for the business side of things. So we'll see. I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into exactly how that's going to play out. So that's that's still a little nebulous and, and has yet to take shape. Um, but yeah, so the Sleeping Giant trading cards and toys is something that I'm putting a whole lot of focus in right now. And uh, again, uh, if you're looking for that on the web, you can find it at www.sgcardsandtoys.com. Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash SG Cards and Toys, or on Instagram at SG Cards and Toys. We have a lot of fun. 
Uh, I keep up pretty regular content. Um, so if you like cards and toys and and talking nerd stuff, then that's definitely something you're gonna you're gonna want to check out. Please do give me a like, uh, follow, subscribe, whatever it is the kids are doing these days. I would be um, I'd be very grateful grateful to you for that. So. Um, I don't want to keep this going too long before we get into um, before we get into the discussion of Ghostbusters that uh, that I'm very glad to have had with my dad. Uh, those of you that have listened to the show for a while may know that uh, at least once a year towards Christmas and New Year's, my dad, uh, my dad and I do a show together and we talk about a film that um, that he introduced me to uh, when I was a kid or that. I grew up watching a lot with my dad or the rest of my family, and we decided to continue that this year with Ghostbusters slash Ghostbusters Afterlife. So it's not really a deep dive into either film uh, so much as it is uh, just a just a discussion between a dude and his dad um, about you know a movie that that uh, that he showed to me when I was growing up and I really enjoyed, and and now this new movie that has kind of um, bridged this this gap of time and brought in hopefully a, a new generation of fans but uh and, and speaking for myself of course i loved ghostbusters afterlife i thought it did tremendous justice to the ghostbusters and the ghostbusters franchise so um definitely uh, don't want to go way off in the weeds before we get to that uh but i would like to just end this segment uh as cliche as it has become i'd like to end it by saying that uh, I am still going to declare that 2022 is going to be my year because I've come to a far better understanding of how one must will that into manifestation and consciously shape one's destiny without necessarily struggling for control. So uh, that's what sounds good to my ears anyway, and uh, that is how, that's how I'm going to swing this thing. And now, Ghostbusters with Mr. Steve Marcotte. Dad, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Hey. Hi, How are you? Hey, I am very well. Very well. Happy it New is, Year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Happy New <laughs> Year. It's December 31st, 2021. This is uh, the first podcast that I have done in some time. Uh, as a lot of uh, our listeners probably are aware, I uh, I lost my day job back in June, and that really turned everything upside down. And I just wasn't able to conduct the show the way that I wanted to conduct it, and uh, caused a lot of problems, a lot of issues. But I really wanted to get back on track. And here, mm-hmm. what better day to start than the last <laughs> day of the year? Certainly, yeah, Certainly. and. And you and I traditionally do a Christmas Eve episode, uh, and I mm-hmm. think we may have even done one on New Year's once before, but I know I usually like to do one with you, um, you know, at least once a year in that official capacity. Sure. Yeah, so I enjoy it. I, I'm, I appreciate you asking me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you bet. And we had discussed doing a Ghostbusters episode uh, some time ago, and uh, I think I had even spoken to um, I think I'd spoken to Rich Lansley, who's been on the show before. Uh, we had even discussed doing a Ghostbusters episode. As you can imagine, there are a few people, especially my age, that uh, 
that uh, wanted to, to get in on that. And at this point, I'm, I'm not ruling anything out. Just because I do a Ghostbusters episode in 2021 doesn't mean I won't do one first or second quarter 2022. <laughs> sure. Um, because we'll be discussing sort of in tandem Ghostbusters as well as uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the most recent uh, installment in the Ghostbusters franchise, if you will. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I mean, and I will say first and foremost that that's because uh, I was not able to get back into the the cinema and see it again. Um, and I'm woefully unprepared. And if if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that I enjoy doing things. Uh, I, I most enjoy doing things from a, a position of zero preparation and the most ignorance possible <laughs> i think is uh is the best way i mean you know well you you've seen ghostbusters countless times oh yeah from yeah. when you were little bitty star wars and ghostbusters were yeah i was gonna say it could be a toss-up but in in the end i think i've seen star wars uh as a as the original trilogy, I've seen that several more times than Ghostbusters. Yeah, it was it was a great way to pass time uh, with the with the kids watching watching movies and and as I've stated before in podcast, I think owning a movie is amazing that you get to for a, a relatively low price, you get to relive that experience over and over again. It's it's such a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, before we get into this thing, um, and of course I have my eye on my battery and that's going to sure. be kind of like the, uh, sure. the battery is going to be the deciding factor of how long this podcast episode lasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no problem. I don't no know problem. if we mentioned it, uh, after we both hit the record button, but yeah, my phone is, I guess by today's standards, ancient, I believe it's only a few years old, but um, well, I, I think it's six years old because the current model is the 13. So um, six years yeah. is uh, an eternity in, in mobile life. Yeah, that means span. absolutely nothing to me. All I know yeah. is that the the latest update to uh, the iOS is, what is this? Thir no, 15.2, I think. It's yeah, just destroyed yeah. my battery. And I forget sometimes that you have to keep up with that sort of technology. Um, especially if you're doing anything that involves, I guess, uh, any sort of communications uh, technology, be it hardware or software. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Uh, yep. But uh, before we get into this show proper, how have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, not a lot. Not a lot. Just uh, uh, playing video games. Uh, I got a new Switch, so i i play the usual Fortnite, but uh dabbled in um, xevious from the arcade oh yeah era and uh so it's a, a lot of fun i was a big fan of that game back when they released it on the nes back in what, what would that have been 85 oh, oh goodness 86 long 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 time ago well i would have been two yeah. at that point <laughs> yeah so i yeah, I think when we got our first NES, we got it right when it came out, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember you were able to rent Xevious, and that was a game that I really enjoyed playing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm enjoying them. It's the uh, OLED Switch, 
and the screen is much bigger and brighter and uh it's it's not bad not bad that's awesome yeah izzy's really been enjoying her switch as well we just got mario kart 8 oh wow i believe it is uh and i remember playing that game uh pretty religiously when it was on the 64 Mm -hmm. and she's gotten pretty good at it i will say yeah, but you need to you need to tell her that her pop was the king of Goldeneye on the sixty four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, just just wait, wait. You were if, you were great at that game. Well, it was just so fun, you know. I mean, it's when you, when you could really get into a game and 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 have fun with it. Then I think that sort of breeds a skill. But you know what's funny is that. Uh, as immersive as that game was, when you look back at it now, it is <laughs> it's not the most attractive game in the entire world. No, the, uh, the, the various games that create, um, and I, I know it's a trite term these days, the metaverse. Now, I don't play Roblox, but that has a infinite possibilities. Fortnite has got all this stuff going for it, but Apex Legends and all the COD games, it's just an amazing immersion as I think you said um, into those spaces and it's just unbelievable in my in my lifetime I've gone from Pong to these 3D environments which are amazing so what is your favorite game currently well, right now it's Fortnite because I can just sit and play I, I enjoy it it's just something it's something to do uh, to occupy the time Sounds like retirement's working out for you pretty well. Oh, I, I don't miss working at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at all. Not not at all. It, it, university was great to me. I, I I can't say enough how they gave me an opportunity. Not only at the time, but obviously going forward. Uh, and but I, I'm so glad I don't work. I have a lot of chores around the house. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't miss uh, going into a day-to-day job. Absolutely not, and I don't blame you one bit. You uh, you earned it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's see. What else has transpired since uh, last we spoke in this podcast capacity? Uh, well, I know the MCU has expanded tremendously. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I have uh, actually gone back recently and watched Doctor Strange, um, Captain America Civil War, uh, the uh, Hawkeye series, Mm -hmm. um, and saw Spider-Man, and hopefully we'll go, as a family here, we'll uh, we'll go see it again. Everybody really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Spider-Man was really good. I think uh, as of just the last couple of days, it has become the highest grossing MCU film. Oh, it's great. And I I, I don't know if you have a spoiler horn or a spoiler alert. We certainly don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's been several weeks now. It's been three, uh, two weeks. Yeah. Chances are, if you're listening to this show, you've, you've seen, uh, no way home or you've already had it spoiled for you. Um, so yeah, I don't want to get into it too much though, or we'll talk about it for the next two hours, and my sure. phone won't even last that long. Um, so out of all of those things that have come out, what have you enjoyed the most? 
Well, I have to say I enjoyed uh, Spider-Man because I had not seen Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies. And so I, I went ahead and got those and watched them um, Homecoming and then uh, Far From Home and and then then going to see No uh, No Way Home. Uh, I enjoyed all three of those. I thought they were a combination of funny, sincere. Tom Holland does a great job. But everybody, um, uh, Ned, Zendaya, Zendaya um, the whole package, I thought, all those, all three movies, that trilogy was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. I, I know we, we need to talk about Ghostbusters, and I will say to compliment Ghostbusters, as you and I have spoken before, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I thought they did a great job of taking elements from the original, so bringing in the car, the proton packs, but bringing that IP into a new generation, I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, Paul oh, yeah. Rudd and Carrie Coon as the adults, but but Phoebe and uh, uh, podcast, they they were a lot of fun. And oh yeah, the podcast with its only listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Finn, you know Finn Wallard. Um, I, I enjoy Finn and. Oh, Finn Wolfhard. From Wolfhard, sorry, Things, yeah. sorry. In Stranger Things, I really like him in Stranger Things. Yeah, uh, he was he was Trevor. Uh, I I liked how again, as I I said, not to be completely redundant, how they brought it all forward, and so I hope there are going to be more of of Ghostbusters with these core characters because mm -hmm. they they've opened it up. They've got a lot. Of, so much they can do going forward oh yeah well you know in today's sort of i don't know what you call it movie making environment or climate or what have you uh, it seems that a lot of films like like ghostbusters uh are meant to progress i mean because you know we live in the the sequel and franchise era now mm -hmm. you know where if you if you have a book or a film the idea, of course, is, well, how are we going to make more or, you know, uh, how, how can we extend this for as long as possible? So I definitely see that happening and hopefully the film was successful enough um, that we, you know, that we will be able to do that. It's funny uh, you mentioned Carrie Coon uh, sort of right off the bat because that was kind of our, our MCU segue. She was actually uh, Proxima Midnight and Infinity War. Really? Uh, yeah. So, it you know, just kind of like moving from the MCU to Ghostbusters via Proxima Midnight. I was a big fan of Left the Leftovers um, on HBO, and mm -hmm. and she did a, a great job. Her and Justin Theroux were the stars, and they did a great job in that series. I've seen a lot of advertisements for it, but I've never actually uh, I've never watched it, so I'm not not familiar and and proxima midnight really is my only um it's the it's the only work of hers that i'm really familiar with i think she had a role in gone girl as well um which i'm generally a pretty big david fincher fan but she uh -huh. didn't necessarily uh -huh. stand out to me in that so i don't unfortunately I, I wouldn't be able to tell you which character she played or yeah um, i forget i forget now i just roseman pike just yeah, she pretty much snatched that away from. Yeah, and she did a everybody. great job, and 
Poor Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, oh, Ben. You know, I... Yeah. Uh, all right, look. Here, here's the thing. Ben Affleck is actually pretty fucking cool. Uh-huh. Um, but he's... It, it's like he can't overcome the mythos of Ben Affleck yeah. being well, not it's cool. That, <laughs> it's that... It's that wild tattoo on his back that... Oh, just, I don't know anything about that. Oh, uh, he's got a dragon tattoo on his back or um, something oh, like that. Well, he must be really cool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. He, he, he's very accomplished. He's won a couple of Academy Awards, both in one for screenwriting for Goodwill Hunting and directing for Argo. Mm-hmm. I, he's got, he's a talented individual. Oh, absolutely. No, and that's the thing. He, he's extremely talented. I like him as an actor. Um, I, and I think that he brings a whole lot to the table, as his body of work would suggest. It's just, for some reason, it, it's Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> you I, can't yeah, get past it. Can't get past Ben Affleck. Yes. Um but uh, but but moving on, um, I think that with, with Ghostbusters, you have something that has been around for many many years and means a lot to a whole lot of people. And when you have something like that, it, it can be very tricky to uh, to create a successful sequel, especially after so many years have passed. Um, before we really get into the discussion, though. I would like to know, you know, being as that I grew up watching that movie, it was something that you introduced me to. Uh, what was your relationship to Ghostbusters at the time uh, that it came out? Because obviously I didn't go see it, uh, and I wasn't, you know, familiar with uh, SNL and its original mm-hmm. incarnation when I was that young. Um, and, and I sort of got into that through uh, Harold Ramis and um, and uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd after the fact. Yeah, I had watched Saturday Night Live from the very beginning, the first episode going forward. And so big fan of Dan Aykroyd. And Aykroyd did the Blues Brothers, which was a skit on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan Aykroyd's family was into ghosts and spirits and so i how i got into it is it opened um with two snl alums murray and uh, Ackroyd, and we just enjoyed it so much and it was really for us uh, an opportunity to get vhs and so our first vhs was beetlejuice and then we kind of added to the library, and I, I commented uh, to Anne, uh, my wife, the other day, I don't know how many copies of Jaws I, I purchased over my lifetime, but Ghostbusters um, was one of those films, we may have seen it twice in the theater, and then when it came out on video, oh yeah, we've got to watch it again. And so that's that's just what it was. It was just a fun, fun movie that you, you guys could watch as well. And, and again, you guys watched it with quote lines and you'd play Ghostbusters. So it was just a lot of fun. And so it meant a lot, as you commented, it meant a lot to a lot of people, but it meant a lot to our household and especially to you kids. And I, I, when we were speaking the other day, my favorite memory is you, you saying, back off, man, I'm a scientist. 
<laughs> uh, because that you, you couldn't say scientist, but that was so cute when you were two or three. Uh, so that was our relationship with more or less the VHS uh, copied than the um, the movie version. So the cinema version. And I I remember being. Uh, as you said, just really immersed in it and having fun pretending and, and playing uh-huh. the characters. And then, of course, there was the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. With Slider. Yeah. Yeah. It really kind of, um, they, uh, it definitely did its own thing and went its own way. Um, but there were some aspects of the film that they embraced pretty heavily and uh, and would carry into the cartoon, which was really cool. Um, but, but mostly for me, it was always the movie and having seen it so many times as a kid and then so many times as an adolescent and then so many times as a teenager and then now finally an adult with a child of my own, I realized that there are so many layers to that film. Uh, (laughs) so many things that, uh, even as a teenager, I didn't necessarily get. Uh, mm-hmm. or was paying, uh, or, you know, I wasn't paying enough attention to it to, um, to get it. Um, and what's funny to me is that there, uh, the, that film is so clever. Um, there are so many instances of the actors being at their best, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, like, I mean, just immediately uh, Bill Murray as uh, as Peter Venkman comes to mind, you know, just like slapping Ray's hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, just little things like that that had to have been spontaneous. Oh, yeah. The, um, the, um, the bit about uh, he slimed me famously mm-hmm. was, uh, I, I think, an ad lib, but just the, the set piece, just the comedy of the set piece. Um. And how they pulled it off, right? And then the whole scene in the ballroom, all of all of that. And then you guys used to comment on the the manager skipping to the door. Mm-hmm. We'd always comment on that little hop and skip. And then when they came out, Peter didn't know how much to charge, and so right. Vinkman's holding up his fingers, and you know all that was just so clever. Uh, and physical, it was just physical comedy that was right. so clever. Which you know is is funny because as someone who has worked for pest control for really what amounts to almost a quarter of my life um, yeah. at this point, and then someone who has you know started a new business venture, both of those things are represented remarkably well in Ghostbusters, <laughs> I thought. Which is funny because it's like, well, what do you guys know about that? You know? <laughs> like yeah. I mean, as as performers and uh and creators, which I think is really funny. Um because that's essentially what they were. I mean they were oh, yeah, they were yeah, pest yeah. control. Uh-huh. Um and the pests just happened to be uh ghosts, you know. Uh it's a cockroach will bite your head off you know um (laughs) i'll take the next one (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that's that's really funny to me and uh kind of the way that it the way that those performers interact with one another and then bringing in um the final ghostbuster winston zedmore um 
portrayed by Ernie Hudson, it's really interesting because you've got these guys who have this relationship with one another, and then you introduce um, Ernie Hudson, who, you know, he's not part of that SNL group. Um, and in a lot of ways, that character kind of feels like he's, uh, you know, he's not a part of what they do. You know, he's not a scientist. He's not a doctor. Um he needs a steady paycheck. <laughs> you know? um, wasn't wasn't Ernie Hudson a classically trained uh, performer? Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ernie Hudson and his work, but I don't know very much about his life mm-hmm. um, prior to um, becoming uh, a mainstream actor or uh, a more prominent actor. I do know that he was, I want to say... Um, auditioning for gigs and trying to find work between taking care of a child. Mm. Um, and I think that Ghostbusters was his, uh, his break um, mm-hmm. from, from being able to, to bust that kind of ass and, uh, and provide for his kiddo. So that, uh, that is about as much as I know uh, of Ernie Hudson. Um, I do know that I've always had a tremendous respect for him as an actor, though, just because mm-hmm. he has a a tremendous presence and i don't think it's a stretch to say that he is far and away the <laughs> the, let's say the most healthy looking of yeah. the uh, <laughs> yeah he looked good yeah the others uh uh not so much well i mean he he clearly takes care of his body um uh-huh. I, there have been a few movies within the last 10 years and uh and some scenes in uh, Oz, where he played uh, Warden oh, Glenn, uh-huh. um, where you know he's working out or whatever, and the dude is jacked, uh, straight up. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, you have this this dynamic of kind of being the uh, the odd man out, or you know, I guess we start kind of seeing the Ghostbusters a little bit more through his perspective, um, which I think was very clever. Now, I don't think that we would have gotten that. If, um, if Eddie Murphy had mm. had had the role of Winston as he, if I'm not mistaken, was originally intended to have, um, it's kind of, and, and I don't want to say too much about it because I don't recall all the details, but it's kind of a messed up situation where uh, Winston was supposed to have a much bigger role, and uh, he was supposed to have like this elaborate, I think, Air Force background, mm-hmm. and. Um, and a PhD, and I, right? I, I don't recall, um, but I do know that Ernie Hudson was really excited to get the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of continuously got pared down and pared down as, uh, as time went on, and you know, which is pretty disappointing, which is why I think moving into afterlife, why you kind of get this sort of um, things tend to work out a lot better for Winston than some of the other guys. I think that was kind of going back and and maybe putting that character in a place that he might should have been already mm-hmm. um which i think if i'm recalling correctly um when he was describing each of the ghostbusters as being um uh, i guess their respective attributes and uh janine asked him oh what were you uh, they always said he was the soul, but in afterlife he was like, "Oh, I was the sex appeal," <laughs> which I thought was was pretty funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you have this flick where, as you move from the beginning 
toward uh, uh, the end of the film where things get very serious, um, it takes on a uh, it takes on a whole different tone where it's not as playful or silly. Of course, there are still jokes, um, but the film is told or the story is told in such a way that it keeps that lighthearted attitude until you realize that all of these things that are happening uh, aren't. Um, I guess you would say they're deadly serious mm-hmm. and the Ghostbusters involvement in, in these events in New York, uh, it takes on a much greater sense of, of, of import or, um, I guess life or death as it were, because they hadn't really been in any dangerous situations until the very end. Someone pointed out to me recently that it wasn't until you get to, uh, the building in New York that Evo Shandor designed, uh, Dana's apartment building, that when the ground cracks and the Ghostbusters fall in, it had pretty much all been fun and games mm-hmm. um, up until that point. But then, you know, like this element of, of seriousness is introduced. And uh, and I, I think, looking back at this film, that's, you know, for all practical purposes, a comedy, the way that they were able to weave that element into the film, I mean, it was very clever. I, I, you, I can't say enough uh, how clever Ghostbusters is and, and how much I appreciate it for that reason. Well, that's why it's, it, it's still popular today. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, it's a testament to its longevity. So Ghostbusters, it, it was directed by Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1984, and Ghostbusters Afterlife is directed by his son. Is that accurate? Jason Reitman. Jason. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the first film was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, which I think yes uh, has a lot to do with just <laughs> how well uh, it flows as a story, but also how well uh, those actors are able to interact within the parameters of that story because of their experience together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that really solidifies uh, Ghostbusters as a film and as a story uh, for me. Now, what's interesting is that Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, which came out, what was that, November? This past November, I think? Uh, yes, yes. It takes that deadly seriousness that we that we ended with uh, in the first Ghostbusters film, and the entire plot of this movie is based around just how serious that whole scenario was, mm-hmm. which I think is again very clever because we could have done a lot of things with Ghostbusters Afterlife, and um, I'm gonna have to throw a little bit of shade here real quick and uh, mention the 2016 i think it was ghostbusters um answer the call i think it was subtitled Mm. now that one i don't recall yeah yeah exactly uh it was not a it was not a good movie i think uh pete was it peter peter feig did that one um and the thing is its cast was stellar Uh um and and it received a lot of negative uh reviews and unfortunately a lot of people came to the defense of that movie claiming that it was receiving all of this negative attention and uh, negative commentary because people were being um, misogynists, essentially. Um, sometimes a movie's just not good, and <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. it doesn't matter who's... It. By all rights, it should have been amazing. I mean, it was uh, Kristen Wiig, Leslie mm-hmm. Jones, uh, 
Melissa McCarthy, um, Kate McKinnon, uh, even Chris Hemsworth was in that one. Yeah, he and, was he was funny. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were all individually great, and they were great together. But the story sucked, unfortunately, and it just mm-hmm. wasn't a good movie. Um, so, and the only reason I do that is not to disparage that film uh, so much as to to point out that you have a lot of avenues you can take and a lot of different things that. Um, that you could do with a Ghostbusters sequel. Now, before I continue, let me ask you, did you like Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I so thought what, it, it, what was your favorite thing about it? Well, I, I thought, um, as I mentioned before, I thought the fact that you were, were able to take this IP from decades ago and mm-hmm. make it entertaining for a new audience and a new generation... And I think making the young people the heroes, I thought that was um, enlightened. And I, I thought it was just good, good movie making. Now, the special effects, the comedy, um, the characterizations, how everybody interacted with each other. I, I thought it was a good ensemble. And it was good to see the guys back, to get the band back together for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um um, that nostalgia is always fun, uh, but I, I can genuinely say that I would go see another movie with this ensemble cast cast without the the previous Ghostbusters. Nothing against mm-hmm. the old Ghostbusters, but I I would go see uh, Trevor and Phoebe and Podcast. I, I would see them again. I think they were a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, and and I, I think you're right. I think that one of the reasons why this film succeeded for me personally is that it it did, of course, play on nostalgia, but not overwhelmingly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know how sometimes you see these movies or these reboots of a franchise, uh, something that was important to you when you were younger, and it seems like it's just a constant hey you guys remember this remember this (laughs) yeah so so for example so for example uh instead of taking the formula from the first one where you have um signori weaver in danger uh yes you have carrie coon and and paul rudd but but that is such a, a relatively as it's projected in the film minor point but you have the young people and especially a young woman who is the heroine or the hero of the piece. And I, I think that's that's great. And you had diversity. It, I just thought there was a lot going for it. And, and the other thing that in the past when you and I have spoken about movies, if I go and I'm just entertained, I don't put mm-hmm. a lot of thought into, you know, fan service and creating an environment it's just a lot of fun it was fun to see that movie mm-hmm. and we mentioned the spider-man movies those are just fun to go see yeah uh it's it's an experience you go to the cinema you want to go to the cinema to be uh uplifted and you want to have something presented in front of you that's enjoyable mm-hmm. now that that enjoyment could be it could be sad it could be forlorn it could be many different things but when you go 
and you've got a movie like this Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's certainly something that you hope for. Even if it's not a good movie, you hope that you're entertained. You, you feel like, you know, you didn't spend those hardcore dollars for a hardcore bad mm-hmm. time. Yeah, um, yeah. Which there have been several films that I've gone to see uh, the last 10 years or so that maybe didn't make me feel that way, not naming any names. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, and we've kind of touched on it here and there, um, the overall plot of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. As, as I mentioned earlier, it kind of begins, uh, or rather carries with it, the deadly seriousness of uh, the closing events of the last movie. So you get this sense that, um, or, or, or you're, you're given the situation where you have a character who is uh, rushing about in the darkness with all of this uh, technology. Um, I mean, you, you see the silhouette and, and almost a side profile. You know that it's Harold Ramis or Egon mm-hmm. Spengler. Mm-hmm. And, and something is seriously amiss. Um, mm-hmm. And he's trying to take care of some serious business and unfortunately uh, doesn't, doesn't survive the ordeal. Um, so you further discover that the Ghostbusters have broken up and that Spengler has uh, a daughter and grandchildren. So you're kind of removed from that for a little while, uh, until you discover that those, that that family has come to take over the farmhouse that Spengler was living in. And you kind of like learn all of these little details about, uh, what he was up to in isolation and away from the other Ghostbusters, which for me that was incredibly fascinating because, as you said, you don't really spend a lot of time um, with the old crew. You know, mm-hmm. you you just know that they had their time together. They saved New York, and and then nothing. Which is funny to me because in the film, uh, Paul Rudd's character, the <laughs> the the teacher, he he mentions New York and he's just like, Oh, you guys don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That was a thing that happened in that world. And it, it was a big deal. And then it wasn't, you know, like time passed and I guess people forgot about it. And, and I got the impression that, uh, it, it, de- the, the Ghostbusters developed, you know, kind of like a cult following, but at the same time they fell out of the mainstream so that I would imagine that people just stopped, thinking that it was a legitimate uh like world changing situation you know that mm-hmm. that it was uh maybe made up or um that there were hoaxes involved you know just people didn't take it seriously mm-hmm. yeah it, we we talk about here uh at home because we've got multiple generations of course to the twins who are 18 years old 911 is a history lesson right it, they they know it happened, but it, but it's just history. And if I talk about the Vietnam War and worrying about being drafted, that's so long ago. So in the movie, I thought they did a good job of taking, okay, that was the history mm-hmm. uh, that Paul Rudd mentioned. And, and they kind of created a way to bridge the gap between then and now, which was the the mountain and the rumblings and what Spangler had set up so it wouldn't escape. 
uh, but it was always there. The, mm-hmm. the danger was always there. To your point, the danger was there. It's always been there. It's just been subdued over time. Right. Which, to kind of further that, um, and I'm only just now really thinking about this, uh, it, it seems that um, in the film they mentioned that uh, Egon basically flaked out. Mm-hmm. And and just split. So it, it seems to me that he was the only one that took uh, the events of New York seriously. Um, or at least, I don't want to say he's the only one that took it seriously, but you know, as a scientist um, and as a person with that mindset, I'm sure that it just didn't end for him there. You know, his research didn't end. And I guess mm-hmm. that's what brought him to the notion and possibility that Evo Shandor had you know, uh, other irons in the fire, so to speak. Um, and that there was more to the story, which again, I think is, is very clever storytelling. And I think it was done very well. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the kids. Um, cause obviously they're the, the protagonists, they're the central characters of this film. I know you mentioned before, uh, your fondness uh, for Finn Wolfhard, which you know most of us probably know him from Stranger Things. Pretty weird watching that kid grow up, I will say, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, watching someone grow up almost in real time uh, via their body of work is is uh, is very strange. Um, just to to experience the passage of time throughout. Uh, you know, entertainment and, and actors and whatnot. But, uh, so he was really cool. Um, and I think that he fulfilled his, his role very well. I mean, he, he was kind of just a punk ass teenager, more or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, <laughs> you know, I mean, but that's okay because that's what you're supposed to be doing when you're that old, you know, you're not supposed to be satisfied with, with, you know, the same old thing and the humdrum, especially being plucked away from home and, and brought to, where were they, Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it was Oklahoma. You know, yeah. that sucks, man. Um, but then, of course, you have uh, Phoebe, who um, was portrayed by McKenna Grace. She's a, a young actor. I'm, I'm not really familiar uh, with anything that she's done prior to... Ghostbusters again. She anything that I would have seen her in. She was I, probably even younger. She was um, on Young Sheldon a couple of times. Yeah, that I will. I can <laughs> safely say that I will never watch that. Uh, I have never watched it, and I will never watch it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but but she was amazing, and and I have a feeling that she's probably going to do a lot more now um, uh, after this film. But she was really really cool, and I enjoyed seeing her in that movie because she reminds me a lot of my own kiddo. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, Izzy has a very different approach to life. (laughs) Yeah. She's great. She's wonderful. (laughs) And uh, she had just, before we went to see Ghostbusters, she has really gotten into telling jokes. Um, (laughs) So that was a happy coincidence. But what's funny about her joke telling is that, like, she enjoys reading uh, joke books, but she's actually uh, taking them apart and mm-hmm. and breaking the jokes down to find out how they work. And she workshops her own jokes, and she's actually pretty <laughs> good at it. 
So she she <laughs> has a tight ten. As a parent, it's really cool to see your kid fucking break jokes down, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like workshop them. Like before, you know, she was just saying stuff because she thought it made sense, and of course, it didn't. Um, uh-huh. But but then I, I think one day I was like, yeah, you need to work on that a little bit. And she's like, what do you mean? I need to work on it. And I was like, well. You know, this is how this works, and I'll be damned if she didn't take it to heart. Yeah, you gotta get that. You gotta get that routine together. You gotta yeah. get the routine down. Um, so we'll we'll see where that goes. We'll we'll put a pin in that, and and I'll touch base with you in uh, another six months or so. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah, so it was really exciting for me to see um, to see that character on screen because I would keep looking over at Izzy, you know, every little while to see how she was reacting to it, you know, and if she was, mm-hmm. um, if she was enjoying it and if she, you know, found a kind of connection with that character. And so that was really exciting for me just as a dad to watch. And then of course her loving a Ghostbusters movie was, you know, that's, um, you know, that was like the icing on the cake, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Um, but this kid, um, she obviously doesn't necessarily fit in, um, with other kids, her age, her interests are, you know, uh, far more academic and intellectual, I think, than, than a lot of um, children her age. And, and that's made it hard for her to adjust. Um, but and, and even more so when taken out of her, you know, her environment and, and, and placed someplace brand new where there's really not a whole lot going on. Um, so that's kind of the scenario uh, that, these, that this family is put in. And then, of course, the mother having to deal with, um, with being evicted and trying to mm-hmm. keep the family together and their heads above water without, uh, you know, burdening her kids with that information, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Um, oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> again, as an adult, I really appreciated her situation, uh, and how stressful that probably was for her. And, and I ironically made me want to slap dude man a, a few times. Uh, cause I'm like, you, you have no, you have no idea, kid. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it is. And then I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I have so many things to apologize for. But, um, anyway, so the, that, that's the scenario. That's where they're living. And, uh, and then of course there's all this, this strangeness that begins to take place. Um, around them and uh, with Phoebe discovering uh, basically uh, her grandpa's bat cave um, mm-hmm. which was really cool and by the way I loved I loved seeing his collection of spores molds and spores. fungus fungus yeah <laughs> yeah now those and, and see that's what I mean to say uh, they really embrace the nostalgia but without rubbing your face in it because how many people are watching this? And and how many people are like, oh yeah, that's exactly what that is, spores, molds, and fungus, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and and to that point, the the movie stands alone. If you, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the old Ghostbusters, you can still enjoy the movie. Absolutely, and that's that's the that's the importance, I guess. Uh, that's the tightrope that that these creators, these writers and directors have to walk. It's like, how do you make a film that can stand on its own two legs, but also not completely alienate um, a new audience? And Mm -hmm. I feel like they were able to accomplish that very well. Uh, 
Now, a quick point out of the people that I've talked to you about Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, my age, I seem to be in the minority when it comes to people that enjoyed the film. Really? Yeah, I find that to be um, strange, to say the least, because I really had a good time with it. And I'm wondering how many of those people have kids versus, you know, how many of those guys are still single and or, you know, just childless, because I think that does add a certain dynamic to it. Um, it makes me wonder if I didn't have a family, if I would have gone in there and turned my nose up. I, I suspect that's not the case because I mm-hmm. feel it's a solid film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a question worth examining, I suppose. Well, it, it is not um, a Marvel movie. It's not an MCU type movie. The, the, um, the IP is, is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends what you're looking for. But, um, but again, you enjoyed it. I yeah, enjoyed absolutely. it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I lot, don't want to get to be set for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to get, you know, way off in the weeds and in, in that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right. That is all that matters, uh, is that I enjoyed it. Izzy enjoyed it. And, uh, we had a really good time. Um, so it, moving this movie along, um, we have in a what 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 would you say is the inciting event? Something escapes from uh, from Evo Shandor's mine. Now, well, they 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 found um, they found the the trap. Ah, uh, yes. Phoebe found the trap. And interestingly enough, if you looked at the credits, there was a puzzle consultant. Mm-hmm. She had the puzzle. She had to do the puzzle to find the trap. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then they let that creature out, and then they tracked it to the mountain. Right. Okay. So the creature escaped back to the mine. The mountain. Yeah. And then they went okay. looking for it, uh, and then discovered um, all the the stuff over there, and um, kind of discovered what what. Um, right. Which of Spangler course was doing. we got the whole you know rock and or science being. Uh, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Through, well, through it, Paul Rudd's geologist. There, there was the seismic activity mm-hmm. uh, that that Phoebe questioned at first. So that, that kind of was the setup and, and kind of went from there. Was he a geologist or a seismologist? I don't recall. He was, I think he was a geologist, but he was okay. familiar with seismology. Because he was tracking. Uh, it was five minutes every day mm-hmm. uh, or, or I was at a particular time every day same time every day and and the wave was different it wasn't a seismic wave it was a, a different type of wave gotcha yeah I he see. couldn't he couldn't explain it right so I will say before we move on uh, that I absolutely adore Paul Rudd um, uh-huh. in every way imaginable and you you could argue <laughs> that Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd in every film, <laughs> but uh, this one in particular, I was amused because he seemed to really sell his attitude and perception of uh, being a summer school teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and that was really funny to me. Uh, some something about that. Uh, really resonated with me. He was just sort of there. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I mentioned that I had seen Civil War 
Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't watched uh, Avengers or uh, uh, Captain America. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen a- any of the two Ant-Man movies. Ah. Uh, but to see him uh, in, in that as Paul Rudd, yeah, he was pretty much Paul Rudd. Okay, so Civil War, that's the one, uh, as far as Ant-Man's concerned, that's the first time he ever meets Captain America, right? Uh, I... I don't know the history. I I get confused about what movie is in what order and yeah. who, well, he, who did what. In and, Civil War, Ant-Man's like in the big time, finally. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And I think, <laughs> yeah, that's he meets Captain America and it's a big deal for him. Because, I mean, it's like meeting a celebrity, you know. Yeah, uh, that the, you the, same with, uh, the same with Peter Parker. Oh, you're a oh, big yeah. fan. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 and uh, oh man, that was so good. You remember that old movie? <laughs> was it the Empire yeah. Strikes? Yeah, an old movie. How old is this kid? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't carbon date him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Paul Rudd, just amazing, and uh, I love everything that he brought to the table uh, in this movie. Um, so, so naturally, it's Paul Rudd being an upstanding, responsible adult. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. leads to leads to I guess this uh, the escape of that ghost that heads back to the mountain and then of course uh, all hell breaks loose from that point so to speak now uh, the relationship between um, Paul Rudd and, and Gary Coon in that film also uh, needs to be mentioned because that was nothing short of, of hilarious to me mm-hmm. um, mostly because there they didn't pull any punches when it came to the kids. And how they perceived that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, they called it exactly what it was. Um, but, uh, so that that was that was pretty enjoyable. Um, I don't really remember a lot about how uh, the kids chose to get involved. Um, I know that uh, old Phineas Wolfhard, he he basically got Ecto-1 up and running again. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was just chance that they um, discovered the, the uh, what would you call it, uh, the weaponry or the proton packs and the, the sidecar. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, uh, no, actually, you know what? I'm totally forgetting. Um, it was the, the ghost of Egon that helped her reassemble the proton pack. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And, and helped uh, Trevor... Fix the car. Right. So it's at this point that they, or at least Phoebe kind of feels like there's something more to this house and there's something more to her grandfather and what he was up to. And and she's kind of invested in exploring that and, and I guess not necessarily becoming a Ghostbuster, but uh, I mean, it, it was one new discovery after the next. And I imagine it was enticing and exciting. And why wouldn't you pursue that? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they so then they go and they want to test the proton packs right and and they discover the ghost in the in the mill who eats metal right that was very interesting by the way yeah I, yeah what a peculiar uh aspect or characteristic of a ghost uh-huh. uh which yeah. is to me a little bit more like the cartoon um yeah where these ghosts would have like these not necessarily powers, but, um, well, yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. And, and, you know, the Ghostbusters would have to figure out like, 
you know, what it was they wanted or what was their vulnerability and how are they going to take it down. So that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, which, God, that reminds me, I don't know how many episodes of the real Ghostbusters you watched, but it got, <laughs> it got pretty weird um, at times. And, and when I say weird, like it got uh, kind of heavy and kind of dark in some instances. Mm. Uh, it would be the, the Tobin spirit guide that, you know, would, would help them with the uh, with the various ghosts and various powers and abilities and what have you. But uh, anyway, moving on, um, this I, I guess this gets us kind of front and center where we're really dealing with with busting ghosts at this point and mm-hmm. um, and that whole thing with the Ecto One with them cruising through the uh, cruising through the small Oklahoma town, yeah, uh, and causing all sorts of destruction. That was pretty good for me. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The the little um, I I forget what you call it the gunman seat that mm-hmm. pulls out. That that was a great addition. So it was there the whole time. I'm assuming. I um, I guess yeah. They just never used it. Uh, they would they would just bust ghost on foot. I guess right. So in in having watched the film, are we to understand that after New York, that was pretty much it. Um, was, was there any cleanup or any like residual spirit activity? Didn't, didn't they mention that they, they, they pretty much cleared everything up and there wasn't anything left apart from which we don't, we don't remember on purpose Ghostbusters mm-hmm. 2. But I think there was a line where they basically said there was nothing left and mm-hmm. Egon traced, um, uh, Evo Shandor to oh, that little right. Oklahoma town and went out after them and took the stuff with him. Mm-hmm. All their packs and the car. Yeah, because you can imagine that, that Peter didn't want anything to do with it and and um, uh, Winston pursued other interests. Mm-hmm. Not sure what um, uh, Ray did. Oh, Ray went to open his shop. Oh, okay. His, uh, his yeah. occult shop, yeah. Yeah. which... Uh, um uh gosh my I'm just totally blanking here um Dan Aykroyd you know has similar ventures I think he uh, I did not know for the longest time that he was the proprietor of Crystal Head Vodka or yeah, Crystal Skull I heard, Vodka I didn't know that either yeah he yeah I'm not a vodka drinker so I haven't been interested in that but uh having it uh, packaged in a Crystal Skull right which I always saw you know, in the package stores, but I uh-huh. had no, there was no reason for me to associate that with Dan Aykroyd or, yeah. uh, or with Ghostbusters. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then of course, you know, you mentioned, um, Ray and, and his occult shop. It, it, it turns out that Winston had been basically paying the bills, mm-hmm. uh, for Ray that entire time. Cause I don't think he was turning any kind of profit, <laughs> no. uh, which was very kind of him. Um, but uh, so the whole setup of this this film, uh, the characters and what with what they're doing, you you mentioned podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the three kids, basically, uh, Trevor, Phoebe uh, and podcast. Well, I guess um, what is the girl's name uh, uh, that Trevor is interested in? The employee at the, the diner. Yes. Lucky. Um, so you end up with these four kids who are basically the ones going on this adventure. Um, 
and I just I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the the pluckiness of it, um, but also I, I'm I'm trying to find the best way to articulate this. I I felt like I was watching actual kids uh, take on a situation that you know was way too much for them to handle, mm-hmm. and they definitely needed an an adult or two, which. You know, the only adult that they have access to really is Paul Rudd, and and frankly, that's mm-hmm. not much of a, an adult. No, at all. no, no. The uh, uh, the the parent figures were were not uh, the best. No, and they get taken off the board fairly quickly too, because as things unwind uh, or as the mountain starts to come to life, as it were, uh, and uh, spirit activity increases throughout the town. Uh, which uh, in this particular instance, uh, the many Stay Puft Marshmallow Men come to mind, which I yeah, thought was yeah. genius. Yeah, um, that was cute. And Paul Rudd's interaction uh, with them throughout the store uh, leads him, you know, to the uh, the Devil Dog, and then the subsequent possession um, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. whole, you know, Keymaster and Gatekeeper thing. Which uh, I could almost say that that was too much for me that that might have been um too much of a callback but strangely it wasn't it worked for me in fact Uh there's only one instance in this whole movie where i kind of rolled my eyes and it was during the uh gatekeeper key master thing um with uh it was paul rudd and carrie coon interacting and i was just like man you guys just took me out of the movie that was just silly but and i mentioned that but they had to they had to put it. They had to have that even briefly, um, so Zul would come back. Sure, yeah, and I I get that. Like the the situation, I'm I'm totally fine with. It was just uh, it was just like one piece of dialogue, an interaction between the characters that I just thought was cheesy, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I and I mention it just because that's the only thing, the only thing in the whole movie. As you know, and anyone who's listened to the podcast. I don't hold back when it comes to things that um, that rub me the wrong way or take me out of the film or that I think are just dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie, there, I can literally think of only one instance uh, where, where I was just like, come on. But that's it. So that means that I enjoyed uh, 99.9% of this film, which is something that I can't usually say mm-hmm. uh, well, that's good. about a movie. That's good. So... So we have we have this taking place. Uh, uh, we we have the discovery that Evo Shandor had this whole sort of plan uh, where he was going to preserve his body and uh, and be resurrected to be with uh, Zul and I presumably rule uh, together. Uh, I'm not really sure what his master plan there was um it didn't work out for him no. uh, it, it didn't work out for him at all in fact it worked out so poorly and went south for him so quickly that i didn't even realize that was jk simmons really yeah i, I don't think i did it either yeah absolutely and and jk simmons is another one of my favorite actors sure um you know, going back to to uh, Ernie Hudson, um, J.K. Simmons played the the neo Nazi Vern Schillinger, and um, or, or I guess it would be Schillinger. I think he got 
a little tetchy, if you call them Schillinger. Um, but he uh, he was in Oz with Ernie Hudson, mm. and uh, he was man, he was he was scary in that. Um, which is funny because that's a kind of. I've only recently gotten over seeing uh, J.K. Simmons as a neo-Nazi first and foremost. Um, so I finally got over that, and then you know he was uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So I was like, oh come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with that said, I love J.K. Simmons, and uh, it was that whole situation with him and the film being—I don't know what would you say—he was torn in half. Right, uh, and and I, you, you guys will have to forgive me too. I said Zool, uh, Gozer is who they're Gozer, trying to resurrect. Yeah, Gozer, um, uh, Zool was a, a minion of Gozer, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm probably wrong about that too, but um, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess you had Zool, and then uh, prior uh, Vince Clortho, uh, who um, who uh, <laughs> had possessed Lewis Tully, I believe. Um, but that's 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 uh, the original film, and yeah, I'd love to to talk about that movie exclusively at some point. But um, yeah, so just all kinds of craziness happening at, at this point, and uh, you'll have to forgive me. I really I don't remember how uh, they're able to save the day after uh, their their mom and Paul Rudd are possessed. Um, and then of course there's the, uh, the key master gatekeeper incident, um, well, well, which of course had brings set up, Gozer forth. Had, had set up in essence a, a giant trap mm-hmm. and they tried to spring it and it, it was only minimally effective, but then the other three Ghostbusters came and, and they combined with everybody, they were able to subdue um, ah, yes. uh, Gozer and, and put him is, in the trap. I think it's worth mentioning too that um, I, I don't feel like their return to the screen was gratuitous. I felt the way that they were brought back into the story uh, was pretty heartfelt. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah. Phoebe finds Ray's number at his shop and mm-hmm. and he's actually pretty dismissive of her um mm-hmm. until he finds out or rather she starts asking more questions i think about the ghostbusters specifically uh and then he finds out that uh that spangler is her grandfather and of course that changes a lot but um mm-hmm. the call that is the the cop in the call i can't mm-hmm. remember um but it's cut short and they don't get to to complete their conversation so uh, you know, one could assume that there's a, a a good reason for them to show up there. You know, um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool, and and I didn't feel like I was being um, I I didn't feel like I was being condescended to, I guess, or that, yeah, it uh, was it was just enough of an appearance uh, to to bring everybody back mm-hmm. and go. Oh, okay, those were the guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and as you said, I would be fine um, watching more of these films um, without them at all. I mean, they they mm-hmm. they're not needed to uh, to carry these stories forward. Which, um, you know, I guess we've we've tried to do with with uh, an, another major franchise, and I guess we'll see how that works out. 
but yeah, so it was it was very much uh, a good experience for me. I had a lot of fun watching that. Um, I don't, you know, want to get into too many details about this. Obviously, I wanted to keep this conversation pretty loose and just kind mm-hmm. of have fun, um, just talking about Ghostbusters and then just kind of lightly uh, retreading the events of Ghostbusters Afterlife. One thing I do want to mention, though, and I want to ask you about. Um, I personally was pretty moved by seeing uh the um or or rather the appearance of harold ramus as egon Mm -hmm. um and the final moments of the film and how he helps phoebe uh defeat gozer um i also think that they made a really good decision by not having him speak oh yeah yeah um because yeah. that's very, again, it's very tricky, especially when you're dealing with a CGI recreation mm-hmm. of, of an actor who's deceased and no longer with us. Um, there's a lot going on there, a lot of moving parts, a lot of emotion, you know, like it'd be a very easy thing to screw up. Uh, so, I mean, what what was your reaction when you saw Harold Ramis? I, I thought, again, I thought the the three... Ghostbusters appearing. I thought the time was just right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad we got to see the image of Harold Ramis. And I I agree wholeheartedly with what you were saying. And I, I don't want to take anything away from what you said. It was just enough. It was great. We Just to let everybody know, he really was there and helping as best he could. Mm-hmm. Just enough. It was, it was just enough to... Uh, to to satisfy that that tick that okay is it really Spangler and yep okay yep it is okay great yeah and then of course you know you can you can move on um, mm-hmm. because for me personally the thing about Ghostbusters and the idea of further sequels is how do you how can you possibly do Ghostbusters uh, without Harold Ramis. You know, I mean, it's like, um, shit, I guess it's like the Beatles, you know, it's like, would you have had the Beatles without any of their members? You know, one's gone, you're done. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, history of course is proven. Uh, so for me, you know, growing up and then, you know, being a teenager and, and, you know, an adult that's been teased with the idea of Ghostbuster sequels. Um, on and off, it was always something that was very personal for me because I just didn't think that you could have a satisfying film without his presence. Um, so what's interesting to me about this movie is that you kind of, I, I feel like they were able to to take care of two main issues. And I think that was kind of that that sensation of of something being missing, you know, or missing Harold Ramis or mm-hmm. or wanting him to be involved somehow. I think you got that. And then I think that they were able to do to sort of give closure to the other guys. Um yeah, without taking too much away from the 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 cast, the young cast. Yes. The, the primary exactly. cast. Exactly. So I feel like his presence in the film, and I say his presence, of course, but his implied presence mm-hmm. uh, in the film was done in such a way that you received gratification as a fan. Uh, you received um, 
there was an emotional payoff. Um, and then, of course, the other characters received their closure because they didn't know what happened and they thought that uh, Egon had betrayed them, basically, or just, you know, gone off the deep end. And, and it was a really, it, it was kind of a, an emotional rift that existed for those guys. So then to see uh, Egon, Egon Spangler, Dr. Spangler, um, there... And I almost said in the flesh, but that would have been uh, so inaccurate <laughs> in spirit. Um, you know, it, I, I think that everybody received closure, and I think it was one of the most positive things uh, that they could have done with this movie. So I'm I'm really happy with the way it worked out. Oh, man, that was emotional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm feeling it. I uh, I don't I don't normally get uh, get worked up about stuff that's not star wars so that was a <laughs> you know um i don't know if you uh if you watch a lot of uh listen to a lot of kevin smith or watch kevin smith like the fat no, man beyond no. mark bernard and yeah no. i certainly know who kevin smith is yeah well, well man he he will get he will get uh he will cry and just become really? He will become a sobbing mess over just about anything. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. yeah, so it's, and I'm not knocking him at all. I think it's very admirable, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that your adult man in your fifties has no problem, um, you know, getting tearing up and and getting emotional about stuff that you care a lot about. I, I it I felt like I was given permission finally to uh to get as emotional as i do about some things i think the first yeah, time i yeah. listened to one of kevin smith's podcasts but uh whew. anyway um that was uh it, it's it was a fun movie and, and i know we've mentioned it already but i loved it um yeah yeah i didn't get to see it again before uh you joined me on the show this evening but hopefully i'll get to see it on the big screen again at least one more time um before before it leaves cinemas and then of course i'll be like oh son of a bitch i missed so many things that we should have mentioned uh -huh, on the show yeah, but yeah whatever like i said i really just wanted to um i really wanted to just uh i guess you know like a band-aid just rip it off as fast as possible mm -hmm. and just make a show um mm -hmm. and sure. record something anything sure, sure. before the year was over yeah um, no problem but uh but also you know like i said i just i I'm of a divided mind. Um, in the one hand, I believe very firmly in tradition, and I think that traditions can be wonderful, um, and I can be a sucker for that sort of thing. And on the other hand, I feel like traditions are arbitrary, and we create a lot of problems for ourselves <laughs> by blindly adhering to some of these things. But I really wanted to record a show with you um, either Christmas Eve or New Year's so that we could, um, so we could keep that. And, you know. well, it's all, always fun. And as I've said a number of times, I, I appreciate you wanting to hear my opinions. It means a lot to me. So thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, as you know, I enjoy, uh, talking about these things and you pretty uh -huh. much got me involved and, <laughs> you know, I'd say 90% of everything that I love and enjoy now, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just funny to think of, uh, talking to other people my age, uh, 
you know, you make a quote, you know, you quote something or you make an allusion to something and they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> it's like, you don't know, like you didn't watch this 800 times when you were five. Yeah. And they're like, no, dude, <laughs> just makes you wonder what could have been. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, I'm very proud to say that, uh, that that tradition at least is something that we keep alive yeah. Uh, in this household, you know, there are things well, that good. Izzy loves and, and she, you know, there are movies that we watch over and over or shows or episodes that we watch over and over again. And mm-hmm. it means a lot to her and she has a lot of fun. So well, that's very, good. very happy for that. Good. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's all I've got. I don't think I have okay. anything else to add. Uh, although I will say I don't, I don't want to end this without mentioning uh, Annie Potts. We didn't mention um, we didn't mention her uh, throughout uh-huh. the uh, throughout the conversation, which is too bad because Janine is amazing, uh, yeah, and has yeah. always been amazing. And I think uh, her yeah, involvement I... in the film was uh, just just right. I think. Yeah, you guys used to say Ghostbusters. What do you want? Um, <laughs> Picking up or too. dropping off. Yeah, picking uh, up and dropping off. Which again, I didn't get until one of the last times I saw Ghostbusters as a thirty-something-year-old adult man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when she asked him picking up or dropping off, it's like yeah, oh, these, yeah. these guys, <laughs> they're <laughs> they're possibly insane <laughs> and uh, and or breaking several laws. So I appreciate that now, and it's hilarious to me every time I see it. Um, but yeah, so her involvement in the film I thought was great. Just sort of a mm-hmm. um, passing on of, of uh, information and also yeah, just kind yeah, of yeah. like, um, I guess, bequeathing uh, Spengler's property to the next line of Spengler's. Mm-hmm. If there was someone that was going to do it, it should have been Janine. Um, but yeah, so now officially, I think that's all I've got. Uh, okay, uh, okay. I feel I would have I would have been heart stricken, I think if uh, we would have wrapped this up without talking or mentioning Annie Potts. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, did you have anything had, you wanted to add? No, I was going to say, if she had heard the cast and uh, we omitted a mention of her, you'd get a strongly worded email from her. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it would be, wouldn't yeah, it? Actually. <laughs> I, I, I like Annie Potts a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, well... I think uh, there are going to be many things, hopefully, that we can discuss over the next year. I'm, I don't really have a, a plan as far as um, themes go. I know last year I tried to make each show, um, you know, do one show a month and uh, have mm-hmm. a movie discussion. This time I think I'm just going to podcast because I enjoy it. Um, it got too uh, difficult sometimes, um, and I always said that. I wasn't going to do it anymore if I stopped having fun. Sure. Um, it sure. stopped it stopped being fun when I put way too much stress on things having to be just so. Yeah, um, yeah. Or having to, this has to be the theme, or we have to do this movie this month. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, or I, ha- I have to have this guest for this show. Um, it became really stressful. And then when I lost my job, the stress of that combined with trying to uh, produce the show under all these different parameters, it was just too much. So 
Um, well, I that's think, certainly understandable. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely have given myself permission to just kind of go back to the original idea, which is just to have fun. So um, there may be months where I have three shows. There may be months where I only have one show, um, and we're just going to do whatever we want to do, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, how you like them apples? <laughs> okay. All right, Dad. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this. Sure. I, I yeah, appreciate you, you uh, taking the time to, to chat with me about Ghostbusters. And uh, and I hope that you have a, a good evening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. And best to your, um, uh, your lovely wife and our adorable, your adorable daughter, my adorable granddaughter. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I okay. guess I'll, I'll I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's it, y'all. Thanks so much for listening and choosing to spend your time listening to a couple of Markots prattle on about the geek shit that we love. Be sure to tune in to the next episode of the show because I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to give y'all the details of how you can win some cool stuff of the trading card and or toy variety. Thanks again to my dad, Steve Marcotte, for joining me on the show. Once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all. Bye.